This is KMUW Wichita Public Radio. Engage ICT Democracy on Tap is a community conversation of KMUW Wichita. The following event took place on March 12th at Roxy's Downtown. Welcome everyone to Engage ICT Democracy on Tap. Thank you for being here in this terrible weather. You all have made it through, well, one, one way. Good luck going home. Um, and I do want to bring your attention to the sign-in sheet that we'll have going around because um, we will raffle off five um, umbrellas. <laughs> These are KMUW umbrellas. They're very, very nice. So sign up um, and get your, your name in the raffle. Your chances are good because you all are brave and other people might not be. Um, so please sign up for that. Uh, I do want to thank our sponsors um, of Engage ICT Democracy on Tap and our partners. First of all, let's have a big round of applause to Roxy's downtown for the venue and the delightful food. Also, the Wichita Public Library provides a further reading resource guide to us each month, and these are really, really great. They're up at our events, uh, our info table over here, um, and there are books, films, articles, all kinds of stuff on these resource guides. The books that are listed here are all published within the last four or five years. They're really, um, they look very notable, very good um, uh, uh, resources for you. And then um, I was looking through the list of articles, and I thought this might be um, a taste of what's to come, this title, Contacting Elected Officials, Be Respectful and Do Your Homework. Um, and I thought, that's probably <laughs> a theme for tonight. Um, so check that out as well, as well as the other info there at our table. Um, we also have um, a financial sponsor tonight, uh, which is very, uh, very helpful to, to us as an event series. Um, so I want to thank Stout Heart Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. Please help me to thank Stout Heart for supporting KMEW. And uh, also, we at KMUW would like to offer our condolences to the friends and family of President Dr. John Bardo, who passed away today at the age of 70. A celebration of life event will be held in the spring uh, at WSU campus. KMUW proudly is a service of Wichita State University. And we wanted to note his passing. So we're going to get started here tonight. Um, the legislative session in Topeka is going to wrap up over the next month or so, and there's a lot on the line for Kansas. So tonight we're talking about reaching your reps, who they are, what they do, and effective ways to communicate with them. On our panel, former Wichita City Council member Levanta Williams. We have Janice Bradley, a local activist and representative for the Peace and Social Justice Center of South Central Kansas, Sedgwick County Republican Party Chairman Dalton Glasscock, and Watkins Public Strategies VP Jessica Lucas. Let's have a round of applause for our panel. I really want to get into the nitty gritty and provide uh, useful tips for you tonight. And after our discussion, We'll all have uh, a chance to send our own messages to a representative of our choosing. So we'll go ahead and get started. 
Um, so just kind of kicking it off, will you all help us to kind of go over who all the people are who represent us um, and how, how do I figure that out at each level of government? Who wants to jump in? Jessica, you look like you're... Um, so as there are tiers of government officials, um, those that are most local, which Levanta um, is one of those. So at the city level, the county level, the school board level, generally are folks that are going to be most known by all of you. They're people that you're seeing regularly, um, and they're the closest form of government. And we often say all politics is local, and of course that you know, local government, you'll often hear in Topeka, does the best job. And we talk about local control. It's really about making sure that our school board members, our city folks, our county folks are able to make decisions um, for the people and that as we get higher up in the level, they're not taking away some of that power. Um, beyond that is then what's in Topeka, which are our representatives and senators. That's a body of 165 people. Um, I saw in the audience, Representative Jim Ward is here this evening. Um, and then above that is our federal delegation, um, Congress, our House members, and then the Senate, and of course the president above that, and at the state level is the governor. Um, first of all, let me say thank you for coming out and braving the weather, and thank you, uh, Representative Jim Ward, for being here. Uh, one of the websites that I also found helpful and also passed it along to a group that was going to Topeka just recently is uh, OurStates.org. And it had uh, quite a bit of information on there to help you to find your, your state senators or your representatives if you did not already have that information. So I found that, uh, that website to be very helpful as well. I'll add, one, I'll add one additional resource, and that's the Sedgwick County Election Office. Um, not only do they have the access to put in your address and find your location, but you can also see maps of your representative districts as well, so you can see what the boundaries are. So it's sedgwickcounty.org backslash elections. Then you click on election districts, and then you put in your address, and then it gives you the option to select um, what boundary and what position you want to look for. One more thing. Uh, hopefully, everyone is registered here, registered to vote. Uh, if you go into the Secretary of State's website or to check your voter registration, and you can do this on a number of websites like ksvotes.org mm -hmm. to check your registration. You can register online. But when you go into that uh, registration section, uh, it will show you your representatives, uh, a whole list of who you're represented by in the from the city or the state offices uh, to the federal offices. I, um, the other day, I typed into the search bar who represents me, and it just popped up, whorepresentsme.org. So that's a site that you can just put in your zip code um, and get uh, the whole list minus city counts, city and county. Um, and I, I would encourage you all to, if you're not sure at, at some levels who your representatives are, um, to maybe do that while we're talking, because as I mentioned, uh, at the end here today, we can all um, send a message to the person we're choosing. So if you suspect you might want to send to uh, a state rep, um, you can be looking that up. Um, and I don't think I mentioned earlier that there are question slips on the tables. If you haven't been here before, um, that's how we take questions from you. Fill out your questions, and we'll make uh, every effort to get those questions answered as we go. 
Um, so what kinds of things would I reach out to each different uh, person about from, say, potholes to climate change? Who, who do we go to? I think one of the best things to do is to research under which level of the government it is before you go and talk to them. Um, before this role um, with the Sedgwick County Republican Party, I had the opportunity to serve as a field representative uh, for U.S. Congressman Ron Estes. Um, and there were plenty of times that individuals uh, were attempting um, to reach out about state issues, but they reached out to their federal congressmen. Um, there's plenty of times that a lot of our state uh, representatives uh, reach out, you know, and they come back to us and said that there's a constituent that wanted to reach out about federal issues. So one of the best things to do is just reach, research which level um, it happens, and a lot of that's just, I mean, simple as Google, Googling likely where this legislation is and where it can be. Um, I think a lot of the representatives have good intentions and in passing that back to a lot of the other levels, but sometimes it doesn't happen. Um, and so try to just reach out and hopefully it gets passed over to the other level, but try and do some homework before you reach out as well. Um, just like we were saying in that article, do some homework beforehand, and I think that's the best way to effectively reach out to the representatives. I would add to that that there are many organizations working on these issues, uh, such as climate change. Uh, at the state level, there's a lot of organizations available working on specific issues like Medicaid expansion. So getting in touch with people and joining in with their efforts is uh, a really important strategy to follow, I think. I would also add that um, one of the things that's important to do is just be engaged within your own neighborhood associations. And a lot of times you can find folks within those groups who do have resources and can help direct you where you need to go. And the other piece to Dalton's point about doing your research, also make sure that you, your communication will be better received if it's accurately addressed in terms of if you send something to a state representative, we generally don't call them congressmen. So if a state representative receives an email that says, you know, congressman whomever, that's not their title. And so they immediately kind of know there's a little bit of a disconnect about the role. So as you're doing your research, also make sure that, and Google's really helpful, right? Because you can just go there and check and see how do I address an elected official? And it is different. And that's just a little thing that if you want to get your communications read, it helps if it's directly titled. Um, and I will note that on the tables we have some resources, some lists of, uh, of representatives, and I believe we, ha we included the titles on there, so hopefully that will make it a little easier for you too. Did anyone else want to add something to that? So um, the next thing that I wanted to bring up is just this question that we're all wondering, you know, is my voice really heard? Um, and I have a really cute depiction of local government in action that I want to show. It's a short musical PBS video that I happened to see one morning just a week or two ago, and I wanted to share it with you all. So uh, we'll watch that uh, right now and, uh, and then talk about it. <laughs> see you in a minute. Doggies all over town Saw a great Dane crying A chihuahua frown We need a dog park With puppy parachutes Bacon bushes for their warm wet snoots Talk to my teacher She said to check with Jake Who runs the town's parks and rec We need a dog park Best in the land People in the government Pins in the hand 
and Rex said, call the bricklayers. They can make it great, but first ask the mayor. Mayor was nice. She has a dog, too. Called the city council to Bob and Drew. They talked it over, gave it thumbs up. We even agreed to clean up messy pups. We want a dog park. Gonna be grand. People in the government joining the band. When people voted and had their say, the whole town said, dog park, hooray. The workers got busy, built a great park. Now the dogs wag tails and sing happy barks. Pugs and poodles doing flips like acrobats. One little problem, what about the sad cats? We got a dog park. Just like we planned. People in the government helped make a land. And built a dog park. Wasn't that cute? <laughs> I thought it was cute. Okay, so how much do our messages really affect what actually happens in legislation? I think that's a, a, a question that a lot of people wonder. Uh, for me, as I had my time at the city, um, the voice is really, really important. Uh, there were even times that I wanted uh, more vocalism from the community, so it's very important. Uh, one of the last ones that I remember um, was a business that tried to start in a neighborhood, and the community was just up in roars, or at least this one, and I could tell that she was a seniorly lady, like I am. Uh, but she did make the call, and I said, do you feel comfortable taking a picture? And she said, yes, I'll go and take a picture. But after that, she was hooked. She was like, there's tall grass and there's weeds over there. You want me to go get a picture of that as well? So I, I think that we need to make sure as elected officials, as activists, as advocates, uh, that we help people to understand that their voices are really heard. And, uh, and that's very important uh, because uh, we represent people, then we should be able to respond back to them. Politics follows culture, and so the more that representatives hear from their constituents, the better. Um, a lot of people believe that your voice isn't heard, especially in D.C., um, when you're representing 600,000 people, but I can guarantee you every day when I sat in the congressman's office, we took a tally of people that called into the office, yes or no's, and the congressman wanted a report of who was calling in on what side they were as well. And so it does matter from the lowest um, level uh, here in Wichita to the highest level up in Washington, D.C. It truly does matter, and they do take that into consideration. I see the congressman look at issues um, more deeply because of hearing from constituents back home. I'll speak a little bit to my perspective from Topeka. So I am a multi-issue lobbyist. Um, the firm that I work for represents several different clients. Um, a familiar one to all of you is Wichita Regional Chamber of Commerce. Today, uh, I was actually on behalf of my client, the Clean Energy Business Council. Um, we had folks who were there for an advocacy day, particularly around an issue involving solar and some decisions that were made around the pricing structure for men and women that have solar installed on their home. And so we've been having this dialogue with legislator with legislators about the fairness of those policies. And certainly there are times where I think folks visiting the Capitol feel like I am just this little voice up against what are often very well-established, um, well-meaning, but established special interest groups, organizations, and, and businesses that it's part of their business model to be at the Capitol. They're there every day following rules and regulations and how that's going to impact them. So enter one of you on an issue, uh, whether it's a healthcare issue, um, an, an issue of solar panels on your home or whatever the case might be, it can feel very daunting. And it certainly can feel like, am I really being heard? But Levant is right, the absence of those voices 
means you're definitely not heard. And while folks may not be as responsive to you as quickly as you would like, the process may seem to be slow, it may seem like you're not making progress, we need your participation. Um, as I would just encourage you to, to stay with it, uh, always to engage with respect um, and, and reverence to the role that, that people play. It, it never plays well um, to be disrespectful or rude, even though you may be extremely frustrated. But the voice matters, and, and I, would, I would just encourage you to, to know who your legislators are. The fact that you're here tonight says you have some level of caring. Know who they are, get to know them. And, and on my last point, they're not as inaccessible as you might think, even Congressman Estes. I mean, our local officials, our elected officials, they're there because they got your vote. And you should never feel like you can't establish a relationship with them or approach them and to do so with respect, but to remember they are elected and they do wanna engage with you and hear with you. So don't be intimidated by this idea that they're a representative or a senator. They're a person just like we are and, and you should feel comfortable talking to them. One thing I'll add to that point is don't be discouraged if they end up voting a different way than what you called about. Um, because they're hearing a lot of different perspectives. A lot of our elected officials on both sides of the aisle got elected on a platform and got elected because of what they believe. And so don't feel discouraged. Just keep calling and keep making your voice heard and make your voice heard in the ballot box more than anything. Um, and I think that's how, I mean, change happens is at the ballot box first and foremost too. I would just add that I, I sometimes wonder about this question because we have a situation in Kansas uh, where you have a majority of, of the populace uh, supporting Medi an issue like Medicaid expansion, and this has been going on for years. You have the entire medical establishment. You have chambers of commerce all over the state except for the state chamber supporting Medicaid expansion. But because there's a, a blockage uh, that, you know, some group doesn't want this, they don't, I mean, it's obvious to me that our voices aren't being heard by a large section of our government representatives. We had a situation, uh, was it last year, where Medicaid expansion actually got a vote in the House even though it could never even get a hearing in a committee. Uh, so there are some people listening, but there is there is also this issue of of uh, blockage of drawing a line in the sand and refusing to listen to even a majority of the people who support the opposite side. And and the only thing that I want to add is that I think a lot of people think well it's not going to matter they're going to do what they want to do anyway. Um, and so sometimes just that very first call can be daunting to you, or that very first email, you could um, have some reservations about sending that. But when it comes to you, you need to learn, or you need to go on and make that call, or, or speak up in some type of way. We, we had something recently that went on uh, in the community, up around the Wichita State area and the 9th Street area, and there was a situation there, and people let it go on and on because they thought, 
we don't have a voice, nothing is going to happen. But then we did begin to speak up, and, and we did enable people to, um, to speak up and empower their voices, uh, and they begun to come to meetings and begin to speak up. And so sometimes it's just learning how to advocate for what you want, um, and sometimes we have to take those steps. So, so always feel that if it pertains to you, if it pertains to your community or, or pertains to someone that you love, go on and speak up. We need to hear it. I want to go back to you, Janice. Uh, if if we become aware of these blockages, as you say, what can we do? I don't know if you have the answers. Does it, I mean, what are what are some ideas? What can what can anyone do about that? Well, I did want to give credit to uh, Representative Ward, Jim Ward, for getting that vote in the House last year. And I don't know what you did, but it was a great move, even though. Uh, it didn't get by the veto. Yeah, I don't know, Sarah. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, maybe we can discuss this. I'll, I'll speak to that a little bit. Um, is, certainly, those blockages are often p part of the, the process. And as anyone would say, elections have consequences. And they can be consequences that you're really pleased about or consequences that you're not. Um, in the instance of, of how processes work, there is a hierarchy within. It's not just um, an equal vote for being a member of the House or of the Senate. There's a structure of majority party, minority party, and with that, um, you have the opportunity to elect your speaker and, and minority leader, whether that's at the federal level or the uh, Topeka level. And from there, you then have the power to select your committee chairs and the men and women who serve on those committees. And all of that is a layer of the process. So any bill that you're trying to pass once you get to Topeka or Washington, D.C., has to go through this process. Now, there are workarounds and ways that you can do things within the system that don't require following everything from point A to point Z. And to your reference of um, the Medicaid expansion issue, we saw that folks were able to bring different ways to, to advance that legislation. But it is a big, big puzzle piece. And what I do think that our legislators in Topeka try hard to do on most issues, and you all are aware it's a partisan world and, and more often people are feeling they've got to pick one side and stick there, but on many issues they're not partisan. And legislators do say to lobbyists like me, legislators, other special interest groups, get in there and figure it out. We really want a solution. We understand that you have something you're trying to protect, you have something you're trying to advance, find a solution, we don't think this is right. And a lot of the work that we do is really at that direction of finding common ground, but it certainly doesn't make the headlines and isn't always part of the um, dialogue that we talk about, but a lot of work gets done across both sides of the aisle, across competing interest groups, and that does keep our democracy moving forward. So what is the best way to communicate and how might that shift by situation or by topic, what would you all recommend as the best ways to reach out? Build relationships first and foremost, um, and that's building relationships with the elected officials, but also building relationships with their staff, um, especially on the congressional and federal levels, um, reaching out, um, and also just make everything you do personable. Um, don't send stock emails or stock letters because they will not be read. Um, and so make sure every single thing that you do uh, to make sure to individualize it and tell a story, tell your story, 
Um, we're very, people change people, facts don't change people. And that's what it comes down to. And so tell, the, tell your story and make sure to do it in a way that connects with individuals. And I think you just go back to make it from you and make it just very individualized. And show up. Show up at their town hall events. Show up at the neighborhood association group where they may be speaking. Show up at the city council meeting. There's not a ton of people at these events, I promise you. They are happy to have bodies in the room. That is the best way, really, to start to get to know them and talk with them and, and be able to share your thoughts is being there. The email and telephone communication is important, and Dalton's absolutely right. You may never talk to your senator or congressman, but their staff are the ones who are wielding all of that information and helping get to, to them. So I would argue sometimes the staff are as critical part of the process as the elected individual themselves. And another way is to make sure that you know that uh, on the local level, each district has a community service representative. And so you have a representative for every district, and you can also communicate with that person. If you're calling about um, uh, trash that's been dumped, or if you're calling about a fence that's down, you can call your community service representative, and that representative can take care of it, as opposed to going to your council member. If it doesn't get taken care of for those smaller things uh, along that line, then definitely call your council member, or uh, some people go straight to the mayor, um, but I truly, truly believe in, in attending meetings, uh, going to your district advisory board meetings if you're on the local level, attending the city council meetings. Um, if this is a meeting about Century 2, attend those meetings about Century 2 so that you understand what's going on. Because if you don't go there, if you're not at the table, and I tell my community this all the time, you're probably on the menu. If you're not at the table, you could be on the menu. And so we tell people, and just one of those occasions was where we were fighting for a swimming pool. How long has it taken us? Four to five years fighting for a swimming pool. And that was because no one was at the table some years back when a neighborhood president was paying for kids to swim. And she didn't reach out. But you have to be at the table to have your voice heard. So I would say that starting with your community service representative, district advisory board, any meetings, small meetings that they have right now, you know there's a meeting going around talking about the space around the new baseball stadium. So attend some of those meetings. Hear what's going on. That's the best way to get involved. I, um, I would just add to that that uh, one of the things we've done in the past uh, on various issues is to use the public agendas that are available, especially in the local area. Now, of course, there's a public agenda available in the le state legislature, too, but it's in Topeka, and you have to travel a couple hours. But many people do this to actually speak or give testimony on bills. So you can do that at the state level. Uh, in the local level, we can do it at city council and at the county commission. And the county commission has gotten a lot more democratic than the city lately because in the city, you have to sign up a week in advance to speak at the Tuesday morning meeting for five minutes on whatever issue. Uh, in the county, they've made it so that you can speak that very day that you go. Uh, you don't have to sign up ahead of time and they make sure they ask if anybody wanted to speak that didn't sign up. 
And uh, anyway, those using those public forums, you're actually on TV uh, if anybody's watching. And uh, uh, at the city level, anyway, they have uh, uh, videos uh, that are archived with your five minutes of uh, speech right there. So we would encourage that as well. And it's a way to build support in the community on issues that people might need to be informed about. I just want to add on to that. It is so fantastic um, at the city and county level that meetings are televised and archived to be able to access. We have made strides in Topeka. It's not um, the best system that it could be, but certainly in my time at the Capitol is much improved. So today I can go online and actually pull up a committee hearing. And while I can't watch it, I can listen to the audio. But the House and Senate floor debates are also publicized with audio and video. And I would encourage you, if you're interested in following that, Go and check out those hearings. Check out what the conversations are on the House and Senate. You'll get a good sense of that. And you can find that information at kslegislature.org. Over in the top right corner, I think it says audio video. Again, it's not going to pop out at you. It, but it's an improvement. And at the local level, we're doing a much better job of transparency and access to what's going on. And hopefully, we'll continue to make what happens in Topeka more accessible for men and women. I want to get to a couple of audience questions here. Um, the first one, how do emails, letters, phone calls, social media, or in-person meetings compare for effectiveness? I think the email is effective. Uh, you then also have, um, you have a trail. You, you have a paper trail for your emails just in case that representative or uh, that senator did not get the uh, in information and get back with you. So you do have that paper trail. I think social media right now is, is probably where it is. Um, there's a lot on Facebook. There's a lot on email. There's uh, quite a bit for people to see. Uh, phone calls, um, I, I still did appreciate the, the phone calls that we had. But an email, I was able to always print it out and take it with me if I had something that was going on and I was out and about. So I think social media is still very, very strong. I think the distinction legislators make the most is, are you in their district or not? And so an email coming from a constituent obviously has a, more of an impact. They certainly feel a need because you're a voter. That being said, on some of these major issue advocacies, and Dalton's right, a, a stock email that they're receiving from 50 people that says all the same thing, it's just a different name, loses effectiveness. Uh, but there is no substitute, of course, too. If you can, if you are in Topeka, stop by, stop by their office, even if you're there for an unrelated event, but the legislature's in session. Go, check things out and, and see how things work. And I would actually just recommend that as a day trip for anyone. Get up there and watch your government in action. You have the ability to, to see it. Um, you don't have to spend a lot of money to go to DC. And it's worth a day, um, I think, of, of watching democracy in action. Um, part of what you said relates to this next audience question. Um, they say, my representative already shares my views. Can I talk to representatives from other districts whom I may disagree with? Is it done? 
I think one of the best things to do is earlier I mentioned the sedgwickcounty.org backslash elections where you can figure out what the boundaries for a district are. Look at the boundaries for the representative you want to talk to and see if you have a friend or a family member in that area that you can mobilize that can reach out to them. I think that's probably the most effective way to contact that representative. I feel like this is a capitulation. I, you know, these, these people are represent. I know they only get votes from a certain number of people in the state, but they are representing the state and they need to be doing what's best for everybody in Kansas, not just the people in their district or listening to only those people. And it, it really, I mean, my legislators are doing what I want or voting in the main way that I support. So uh, what do I do? Just sit here and not talk to anybody? I mean, I think we need to hold every, all of these representatives accountable. And, and I agree with that um, as well, Janice. Uh, every year, the city council goes to um, to Washington. They're, they're there right now. They were probably at, at the Capitol today. Um, but in March of every year, our city council mayor um, head to Washington, D.C. to make sure that all representatives know the legislative agenda that we have. Um, and so this is that time where um, maybe myself would say something to um, uh, Senator Estes that uh, maybe was different uh, from somebody else. So that gave me an opportunity to talk to someone outside maybe of the party that I belong to. But you know, we're all citizens, we're all people. We should be able to talk to each other, whether it's across the aisle or one way or the other. Asking you what you feel about this and why do you feel about that? And let me tell you my point of view as well. We should be able to do that as people um, in the United States. So I, I, I agree, we should be able to talk to anybody actually because we represent everybody. We won't get very far if we have this idea that I can only talk to people who look and think like me. And you know, one of the things that's helpful for me when I go into an office is to try and meet them where they're at or to get a sense of, you know, help me understand what you think about this position. And many times, the more listening you do versus talking, the more you find out from them because they're going to tell you what they think. They may have a personal family experience or something that's happened that's really defining their views on a subject matter. And that's going to help you know how to frame your argument, even if you're, you know, you're, you're still trying to get your point across. But the more you know about them, the more you know about why they've come to the point of view they had, the more valuable that is. So to just go into a meeting with an elected official or really anyone and just demand and say, here's what I think and why won't you vote for what I want, that can be a, a door closer, if you will. So try and meet them where they're at. Tell them, tell me about your positions on that. How'd you come to that view? And that generally tends to open them up and then you can start that process of dialogue. And if we don't get better at doing that, we're in big trouble, and I hope that we can break down these partisan divides that are kind of gridlocking our state and our country, because it's not to our benefit. I want to tell a quick story, um, actually, about Councilmember Williams. Um, back when I was 14, I think, um, I was a member of the Mayor's Youth Council in Wichita, and uh, I remember walking into Councilmember Williams' office, and I think I'd given her a Christmas gift that was a patriotic Christmas ornament. Um, and we're on opposite sides of the aisle, but we were able to sit down and have a discussion. When I was 14, 15, I wasn't able to vote, 
and she took time to hear me. I didn't live in her district, and since then, we maintained a relationship and be able to work on community issues together. And so I think that's a very good example of being able to work with somebody not in my district, somebody on the other side of the aisle, and somebody that we both want the best for what's our best for our community. So um, how do we know what happens when we send a message of some kind? Um, one, who is receiving those messages? Um, and are all of those phone calls and letters and communications, are they logged and counted for some purpose? I can't speak on any other level, but when I worked um, for the congressman, there's a system that tracks every single call that goes in, and you identify you know, what side of the aisle, or not what side of the aisle, but what side of the issue that somebody's calling on behalf of. And so it tracks a count. Um, it also has an ability to take notes um, in the system that you can pull. And so there is tracking on the federal level of when somebody calls in and somebody gives an issue. So then we can see how many people call on the side and how many people call on the other side. So I can't speak on other, other electeds. And I'm assuming different representatives and different senators do different things on the local level. Some probably track every single call and some probably don't track any. Um, and so that's the unfortunate reality, but I would hope that um, there's a tracking mechanism on each level. I think most elected officials would tell you they would love to be able to track and, and have a system like that. The benefit, of course, of being in Congress or the United States Senate is you have a staff whose job it is to help them keep track of all of that information. Realistically, um, legislators, unless they are in leadership, they do not have a staff. While the time during the time that they're in Topeka for the 90-day session, they often share a committee assistant, and, and that person is there to to do the work of just maintaining a schedule and what's going on in that office for a 90-day period, but they're not a, a full-time staff 365 days a year, and most elected officials at the Topeka level or, or lower are also working jobs, and they are doing their best to um, serve in a public service role, often for little, if any, pay. So there's not some of the sophistication and there's not going to be an automatic guarantee, but I think you can expect that at least that those messages do largely get received. Um, most elected officials will have a meeting with you. Now, I've been in Topeka, and I'm there every day, and I can go into offices, and an assistant will say, well, he or she does not do meetings. That's unfortunate. That is rare. Um, but most cases, your legislators are trying to work for you, but they don't have a staff to chronicle everything and keep track of things, but they have a good sense about what's coming in and what the issues are. And the question is, how do you know that the message was received? Uh, I would hope that you would see results. Uh, if you were calling about a certain situation in your neighborhood or in your community and you were asking for some results, hopefully you would see those results and, and that way you would know. But uh, the on the local level, the city council does have an office person and uh, she takes every single phone call that comes in. Uh, and, and believe it or not, just within the years that I was there, within the last 10 years when I was with city council, I had to ask her to get a booklet that makes a copy. And that way, we have those copies. If she tears it out and puts it in, in the council member's box for them to call someone, there's still a copy of that in her book. So that was one of the things that we definitely needed and was incorporated um, about eight years ago, is to make sure that we were documenting those. And it's the same way when you reach out to your community service representative. And that representative is the closest person uh, to your council member. So so that person works with the council member. Uh, they tell them what types of um, 
questions that the community has. They, they run some of the meetings. But one of the things is how do you know is if you got results. And I think that's the best way. But we do try to track things, in, even in city council. Should people also be able to expect a, a response to an e like an email or a letter? Is that common? Usually you get some type of a response back. Um, you do want to recognize that someone has called, um, especially if you get a second call. Uh, but you do try to email uh, email people back. You'd be surprised, though, at the amount of emails that the council members get, and I'm sure the uh, state representatives and senators get as well. But usually we do try to sit down at a certain time to answer all emails and to listen to phone calls and try to respond to those phone calls. If they're part of the blockage, though, you shouldn't expect to receive a response. That's my experience. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about tone. And Jessica, you and I were talking about this a little bit, the cues that help your message to be better received and the tone that you want to use to help your messages be better received. Um, what would you uh, add about that? Jessica, can you start? I would start because I had this experience recently. I mean, I've, I spoke earlier about just, you know, general respectfulness and, um, but I was in a committee hearing and a individual is giving testimony and, and this word just kept ringing out in my ear and the individual said it three times. It was, we demand, blah, 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 blah. We demand, we demand. And every time I heard that demand, it just sort of grated on me a little bit. And I know that the men and women sitting behind the table had that response too. And I just think that there are ways now, I know there are times and moments where you know you are demanding and you do want something and listen to me, this is important. I understand that, but, but be thoughtful about the words you're using. Read things out loud. Think about how that sounds because if you are standing in front of a body giving testimony, demanding, 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 May, may again just be enough off-putting that they stop listening to your message. And you ultimately want to approach them in such a way that they feel like, okay, I can relate to her and I want to understand what she's trying to say. And so some of those more inflammatory terms may turn people off. And again, I'm not saying that's right or wrong and it will be extremely frustrating, but just little things like that. I know as I sat in that committee hearing and heard demand, 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 I thought, ugh. And if I was uncomfortable, probably other people were uncomfortable too. So I think that being just aware of the, some of that terminology can be helpful. I think the tone sometimes sets the way the conversation is going to go. Um, I know that within the city, the city has the, the water department. And um, so I would tell the people in the water department, customer service is so important. And, and in some cases, as city council members, we should also give that same customer service. If someone calls the water department, if they're already upset, their water bill is outrageous, and they're calling you because it's outrageous. And so if you call me outrageous, and I'm going to get right back outrageous with you, the conversation doesn't go very well. And so we, as, as those that are in that political arena, also must learn how to try to de-escalate the conversation, to take the conversation down. Uh, sometimes maybe it helped me to be a teacher for 35 years or teaching middle school because it prepared me for the adult world when I came outside the doors of the school building. 
um, but de-escalating and knowing how to do that and, and helping people to understand you're going to get there, uh, but let's think about trying to get there a different way. But I have had some of those demand phone calls, and they turn you off. <laughs> They, they, they definitely turn you off because uh, you, are, you are demanding someone do something rather than talk with that person to try to understand why it's not being done. So the tone sets it. I even tell my husband the tone sets the way that the conversation goes. There's times that you have to turn up the heat, but you don't want to turn it up too much that's going to burn everybody in the room because, again, the conversation is going to be shut down. And I think it comes back to having the two-way conversation and having the back and forth. You have to realize that this individual cares about their community as well. They may have a different belief on how to get to the same you know, outcome, but they care about the community. And I think probably one of the worst things is going into a room already questioning the motives of the person you're talking to um, just because you disagree with them. Every one of us comes to an experience or comes to a policy standpoint because of an experience we had in life, because of our upbringing, because of a background, something. And so you have to realize that they have a story as well that got them elected. I think also you just have to realize that you just have to be kind. It's very simple. Just be kind to somebody. Um, and I know how simple that sounds, but when you get heated in an argument, it's very hard to do that. And I've had to catch myself talking to people as well before, even when I've been sitting in the other seat talking to them about issues, is I have to be kind as well. Um, a couple of other questions relating to this, and then I want to get to a couple more audience questions. Um, can uh, officials tell when a message is scripted? Um, does that affect their response? Um, and then also, what are representatives tired of hearing, if if anything, um, and and how are they tired of being talked? We've probably covered that at this point, how they're tired of being talked to, but what about, if anything, that they're tired of hearing? Well, you certainly can tell if a message is scripted, because generally if you get one, you get 10, so that's a pretty easy cue. But um, are there topics that representatives are tired of hearing about? Yes. Does that mean that they shouldn't be talked about? No. And I think that's an important distinction, this idea that, well, they're just tired of hearing about that or they just don't want, you know, had Levanta given up um, on the pool issue, you know, that would have been really easy. And, and elected officials would love for the public to become quiet about things, right? Because that does make it easier. If there's no one in their ear saying, it's important that we do these things, they're, as she said, you know, then they're going on because there's somebody else in their ear telling them about something that's really important to them. So... Are there things they'd love for us to not discuss? Absolutely. Should that stop your engagement on that? I would say no. Before uh, before we go on, what about the, the scripted? If they get 10 of it, is that like less powerful? It becomes ineffective? So you want to personalize? I, I think, I think we would probably say more of a personal conversation. You may change a couple of words, but after a while you know that everybody is sending that same letter and you're not gonna read it. May, you may look at the name um, or something along those lines, but it's the same message, so why should I read it again and again and again? I think probably one thing that I've seen representatives um, not take seriously is you'll have a constituent come back and talk about, you know, well, polling says, or polling says, or I saw this on Facebook, and I saw this poll on Facebook, and we demand this. I think it goes back to I don't want to live in a government controlled by polling. That's why we live in a republic and not a direct democracy. And so I think that's something in a conversation that we need to have. And that's probably something that I see representatives um, most upset about because if polling said this, then that's going to be heard in the ballot box as well. 
And so that's why I think it goes back to telling your story is the most effective and telling your individual story, not saying what other people care about or this is not having the bandwagon approach of this is where everybody needs to go, so we need to enact this policy, but really individualizing it again. Um, here's an audience question. How much do money and campaign donations influence what elected officials hear at all levels? We had to ask it. Somebody had to ask that. <laughs> Go ahead, Jessica. I mean, there's no question that money is a part of our political system, and it, it it's part of it, and it's not going anywhere. I would encourage you where you're able to support candidates who you believe in that you think are going to Topeka to represent the values and the demeanor and the, the promise that you think are important in elected officials. Um, you know, it's always hard for the lobbyists to talk about money and politics, right? Because we get kind of a, a bad rap as um, lobbyists influencing politics. And, and we are there to inform. And, and like anything, I think there's good actors and, and bad actors. And, you know, you probably have issues you really care a lot about that you are so glad that there's a representative in Topeka to, to talk about those issues and others that you wish they didn't have a lobbyist or they didn't spend any money. Um, I think as, you know, we're going to have money in politics. What we have to continue to do is use our voice, understand you're not always going to be able to compete with the dollars, but a story, a, a human impact about how policies are impacting you and impacting your neighborhood. At the end of the day, you have to believe that those will, will win out. And on this issue I'm working on with um, solar and, and people's ability to have the freedom to put those panels on their home and, and pay a fair rate for that, you know, I've got to believe that that's going to continue to resonate and, and that our elected officials will believe that we should have that market opportunity for people. But it feels very daunting up against very deeply entrenched um, utility organizations. Those battles will always be there. The money will always be there. But it's no substitute for your vote, your voice, your participation in the process. I think that sometimes those that gave the funds may think that money is going to persuade some type of a way. Um, but for me, it was uh, it was not the campaign money that made me or helped me to make a decision. Um, those decisions were made on uh, whether it was the right fit, whether it was the right organization, the right company. Uh, so I, for one, was never one of those people that let campaign money decide how I would vote. That didn't happen. You are an exception, Levanta. <laughs> it, it really matters. And since that decision in, what, what was it, uh, 2010, January 21st or something? Uh, I don't remember the exact date, but uh, the Citizens United decision by the Supreme Court and, and this the whole growth of these uh, political action committees, the PACs, which is just unlimited interference or, or influence in, in the electoral process. And hopefully, I mean, some kind of legislation can come around to, to change that, to get it back to uh, what it was for hundreds of years. Um, can you all speak to, uh, especially Janice, if you want to jump in here first, uh, speak to how constituency outreach and grassroots advocacy supplements uh, and or makes a difference 
with lobbying and how is the impact of outreach of the average Joe citizen weighed with grassroots advocacy and community leaders or VIPs? Yeah, it's an audience question. I should have said that. <laughs> it's a bear. Uh, I'm not sure about this. I mean, you you get an issue and you get a core of people who are concerned about it, and you start organizing, and you might hold your own demonstrations or protests. One of the first things people always think you need a permit, and you know we have uh, the right to assemble. Uh, freely, we have public property, the sidewalks are always ours, and you don't need a permit to to protest something. Uh, so anyway, you can do those things on your own, and you know, there's this whole issue of social media now to help organize and connect people, and it, and it does work, but at some point, you do need face-to-face -face contact. You do need to meet and and talk and sort things out and discuss and debate strategy and and uh, make a plan and get the word out and try to change whatever you need to. And I will just say that uh, Janice and any organization that she was with um, always had a way of advocating uh, for what they needed, wanted, or the community needed or wanted in a respectful way as well. And, and I think that makes a difference. Um, so whether they're advocating here or there, uh, I can remember myself even as a city council person, uh, but holding a, a position with another organization uh, in trying to stop a school from being closed down in the community that I respect. And uh, yes, we went out and we stood in front of the school and, and, and had our say. I, I think that everybody should be able to have a voice. To me, this continues to be your voice. Um, to be able to be heard, uh, but there's a way to do it uh, that is going to achieve a lot more. Uh, what is it? You can catch more flies with honey than with a lemon. And so I think there's a way to do it that makes a difference, and it always has with me. Um, I have a little bit of audio from a hearing last month where nurses and physicians both testified on a health bill at the State House. Um, they disagree about whether to give advanced practice nurses the authority to practice without oversight contracts with physicians. Um, and some of the nurses drove there from West Kansas to testify. Let's listen to that clip real quickly. My name's Holly Cobb. I'm a family nurse practitioner, co-owner, and co-founder of Oasis Family Medicine, a direct primary care clinic here in Topeka. My name is Elizabeth Gant. I am a nurse practitioner. My name is Judy Davis-Cole. I am a retired master's prepared nurse. I'm a lifetime Kansan. Um, my name is Gina Weddle, and I'm a lifelong Kansan, too. My name's Melinda Lavon. I'm on the board currently in the advocate position for the Kansas Midwives Alliance. And my name is Elizabeth Patton, a deputy state director for Americans for Prosperity. I'm Carol Moreland. I'm the administrator of the Kansas Board of Nursing. So this gives you just a sense of how many people might go to the Capitol to give feedback on potential legislation. Um, it's a lot more folks than just lobbyists. Um, Jessica, do you have a sense of how many people tend to, to be present at that sort of uh, hearing and testify? Um, and is it going to a hearing, for example, and talking to uh, talking about your support for potential legislation that would be the most influential way? It's sounding like that's kind of... Well, it's certainly helpful. And, you know, those are two 
industry groups, the uh, physicians and the um, advanced practice registered nurses, they have associations that represent them and certainly get word out to them that, okay, this legislation we're moving through the process has a hearing, and so men and women are invited. Because there's really no, while I can go and, and navigate the process and help make sure we're, you know, following all the rules and, and getting our testimony turned in, et cetera, there's no substitute for the voice of the men and women that the legislation impacts. I can share stories, but it's far more powerful when folks are able to come up and join us in Topeka. Often that happens through the hearing process. Um, other times you'll come up just for individual meetings with legislators to talk about your issue. And that's what these two groups are doing right now. Um, when we talk about, you know, divides, it's not just Republican versus Democrat. It's, you know, different industry groups, folks that are working to treat people who each have an idea about what's the best way to do that. And they're having that dialogue with legislators. And at the end of the day, legislators are going to have to decide, do we think that the bulk of the care should be delivered through and under the supervision of a doctor? Or are we going to allow this other group to have more ability to, um, care for patients. Those are the things that um, legislators talk about every day, uh, whether it's health care, insurance issues. Um, there's a multitude of committees. And this idea, again, about legislators, this you know, that they go into office knowing everything, they don't. And they need to hear feedback. They need to hear feedback from people who understand the issues because they can't possibly understand. I would gather if many women and men who there who are there were teachers and now they're having to make decisions about who do I choose in terms of this dialogue around what doctors can do and what APRNs can do they need some help and that's where folks coming up and sharing that through testimony helps them do a better job and make informed decisions one thing I'll add to that is if you can't go up to Topeka and you don't have the ability to, you can submit written testimony as well. Um, I submitted written testimony two weeks ago because I was unable to attend a hearing um, among the House Judiciary Committee. And so that's a good ability as well. If Again, if you can't go to Topeka, you can write the testimony as well and submit that. And there's rules about when it has to be submitted prior to the committee and for them to make copies to pass out to individuals. So look up those, but you can also do it that way. And uh, along with the written uh, testimony, get in touch with your senator, your house representative. They can definitely tell you what department or where that written testimony should go. So again, uh, knowing who your representatives are are very important. Um, let's say I've never been to Topeka, but it sounds like fun to go and you know give feedback on something. How would I go about? Is there like a way to find groups that are going and like jump on, you know, jump in with with some? Uh, group of people going to do this? Is this done regularly? I, th I think that is the hard part. So with every layer of government, um, it becomes harder and harder to interact and the process becomes more confusing. Just So yes, you can come up to Topeka. I would recommend uh, if there is an association group or a day at the Capitol of any kind that that's the best way to get your feet wet because you're going to have folks up there who know how the system works that can kind of guide you through and you can be a, you know just kind of wide-eyed and taking it all in and just kind of going where someone says you're supposed to be um, but that's why the more times you go to the capital the more familiar you are but finding a, an association day a, you know today was um, there were it was a environmental day they were talking about a bunch of different 
um, issues related to water, energy, air, land, transportation, health. They called it Wealth Day. So there were probably 30 different groups. So if you were involved in any of those groups, it was an opportunity for you to come up and see how things work. But Dalton mentioned needing to turn in testimony and make copies. And so there is this process that's expected, and it can be confusing. There is a little bit of leeway for folks who just kind of wander in and say, hey, I'm here, I'm not. Certainly, legislators know who is a familiar face and, and understands the system, and, and they do give respect and opportunity to folks that are just coming in as part of the process. But it's not, um, you know, do reach out to your elected official if you are planning to come up and just say, hey, can you help me, or I'd like to weigh on this, what do I do? And they will get you to the right people. We all agree. Good. Okay. Here's an audience question for you guys. Um, how can an independence voice be heard when my views do not align with party platforms and I'm not able to vote in the primaries without re-registering? They say, how can an independence voice be heard when my views do not align with party platforms and I'm not able to vote in the primaries without re-registering? So I'll answer uh, this first as uh, chairman of the Sedgwick County Republican Party. I would encourage you to attend both party meetings as well and to get to know um, elected officials through that, get to know activists through that process as well, because I guarantee you that you're going to connect about something that you can work together on. Um, the Central County Republican Party meetings are open to anybody. I know the Central County Democrat Party meetings are as well. And while I know you want to be an independent voice, we work within a structure that's led by a two-party system in a lot of ways. And so a lot of people that want to get involved are a member of a registered party. And so it's hard to get independents that want to get involved. And there's independent organizations out there as well. But I think a good way is to still try and figure out people and connect with like-minded individuals that then you can go out and work on bipartisan solutions together. And that's something that we need to see more of, is bipartisan solutions with Republicans, Democrats, independents, libertarians, everybody working together. But the only way to get to know those officials is attending party meetings or local meetings, um, city council meetings, and connecting with individuals that way. Well, you have a, a position on issues without uh, necessarily being a Republican or a Democrat. As an independent, uh, you might uh, you might support Medicaid expansion, you might support the legalization of uh, marijuana or medical marijuana, some of these issues, which are actually bipartisan issues. Uh, criminal justice reform, there are a lot of things that you can take, a, you know, take a position on that, that aren't right along party lines. But uh, on the issue of not being able to vote in the primary, I think this is totally wrong and uh, it should be changed. Uh, if if we are spending any tax money on primaries, which we are, just having the whole voting set up uh, in Sedgwick County costs a lot of money. And when that happens and tax money is being spent on these elections, anybody should be able to vote without declaring a party. Right now, I, I think an independent voice should be a loud voice. Um, there have been some races that have been um, have been controversial races, and and maybe an independent says this is the direction that I should go for this time. 
but then there may be another time that, that the direction is the other way. I, I, I truly believe in voting for people that you feel will serve you best. And that's the, that's the important issue. And so if, there, if I am an independent and that Republican right now is sounding pretty good, um, Bob Knight sounded really good some years ago. And so if that's the person that you're looking at and their values and their beliefs and what they plan to do are aligned with who you are, uh, I, I believe that independent voice is just as important as either party. I want to get through a few more audience questions before we move on to our uh, our little activity here. Um, I'll combine two of these. Well, we'll do a two-parter here. Um, where might one where might one find info on the agenda for the Kansas legislature, and what website can we use to follow legislation in the state? I'm assuming those will be close together. So again, kslegislature.org is the state's website. And if you want to find the daily agenda, it's under what's called the calendar. Again, nothing on that site is user-friendly. We could use an investment of resources in that technology. But when you, when you go to the homepage, find the calendar. You also have to click for House or for Senate. Um, those are two different calendars. And that will show you what committees are doing, what bills are going to be on the floor, but I will tell you, the calendar itself is going to be very confusing to a first-timer's eye. It's something that if you're really interested, you know, let me know, I think let Dalton know, I think he's pretty familiar with it, and let us talk you through kind of where you can find that information, what it means. Um, the same is true when you're reviewing a bill. I was talking with some folks today about a bill. There's ways that the information is highlighted in that that will tell you what it's doing. For instance, if you see um, wording that's in italics, that means that's new language. If it's existing law and it's struck out in a bill proposal, that means they're wanting to take that out. So there's different cues that you can use to help you better understand what it is you're looking at. But I'll be honest with you, just pulling that up on your computer right now and trying to make sense of what the legislature's doing tomorrow, it, you probably will want to talk about that with someone to, to explain it a little more. Unfortunately, that's a frustration, right? It's our system is supposed to be accessible to us, and on some degree it is, but there are many things that put barriers in place just by simple um, not understanding because how could you figure that out? Who'd, who should you talk to? For what? I mean, if you want a, a translation of what all that means, what's an easy way to, like, who couldn't you go to? Um, yeah, so I think that's where you have to go to someone who understands the system. That's finding an, an advocate, a lobbyist, a legislator, someone that works in that building every day who can really kind of teach you the language that is spoken under the Dome of Topeka in regard to how the nuts and bolts of how the business is conducted. Um, are there digital tools for civic engagement or policy updates and then maybe other ways to get engaged that we haven't discussed yet? You all know of any, like, and is there an app for that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Oh. We'll see. I'll see if I can hunt that person down and talk to you afterward. <laughs> we'll see if we can uh, put that out there. Um, well, let me do another audience question then here. We're, we're 
uh, going to be out of time here in a moment. Um, I have two more here. Um, activist groups like Americans for Prosperity and the ACLU both take volunteers to the Capitol at no charge um, to to volunteer. Um, are there other groups that will transport citizens to the Capitol to meet with legislators? Levanta, wasn't there a program that, oh, go ahead, Janice. Well, unions do this all the time. The CAPERS, uh, uh, people on state retirement do this. Uh, if you go up to the, uh, the, I mean, in all kinds of issues, gay rights, uh, it, it, the Capitol is a busy place. Uh, sometimes. You can probably speak to that better. I don't know that there are many groups that are doing the paid transportation, but they're certainly organizing events. And again, just as part of your civic engagement in your communities, I am certain there are groups in your network that are making trips up there that, that have organized activities and get involved in those. Um, if for no other reason than just to kind of be the fly in the room that's on the wall that's just looking at how does this work. Um, and you're not going to be put on the spot there. You don't, don't think that if you show up at the Capitol, we're going to be asking your name, asking your party, wanting to know. I mean, you can move around in that building uh, without engaging with anyone if you don't want to. And then if you choose, you can engage with everybody. But it's, it's not as daunting of a place as you might have built up in your mind. And, and check it out. I think the organization part is the key. Um, I know that the League of Women Voters is always organizing to go, um, whether it's to city council or the county or to the state. So that is one group that organizes on a regular basis to go up and, and have a message. And some of just your regular organizations, just recently um, we took uh, sororities and fraternities up and we all organized in one place and we listened to those who taught us how to advocate uh, for what we wanted and we had some of the other speakers uh, from the House and from the Senate to come in. So I think it's just groups that organize themselves uh, that go up and, and have a purpose and have a mission and so for the sororities and fraternities, some of them, that was their first opportunity to go but it was going with another group of about 100 people or so um, going all for different reasons and and one of them was a sorority uh, license plate. So they were able to even go in and listen to the, the license plate discussion as well. So organization is the key. I think a good thing to remember is they only meet in Topeka 90 days a year. Um, and so they're back in your communities the rest of the year where you can talk to them. And that's the benefit of having a, a citizen legislator. So we can go back and talk to these individuals when they're back here because a lot of Kansans, a lot of Wichitans may not have the ability to go up to Topeka during session. And while you may not be able to talk about legislation, you know, that's currently before them, if you're back here during that time, you can at least prep them for the next year and talk about issues that are important that they can go up to Topeka the next session and bring forth. I think you said another key, the issue that's important. And so if you hear of an issue that's very important to you, that's another time to organize a group of people to go up and listen. If Medicaid is something you want to hear, or for us it was a license plate that we wanted to hear about, or so many other things, uh, go to that website and look on the calendar and just find out what's going on for that particular week or for that particular day. And there may be a group that's actually going to, to testify on that. Um, one last audience question here. Uh, how do members of the public find out if a government contractor has contributed to a legislator's election campaign or to a first responders benefit association? Is there a, a way we can know that? 
I think you can go to the Sedgwick County website, um, that the voter um, election uh, department, and you can pull that up, and it has a whole list of everything, everybody's contribution. I think there's a website called the Kansas Governmental Ethics, uh, and I'm not sure the website address. Uh, commission, Kansas Governmental Ethics Commission, and they have uh, the forms that they have to list all their contributions. Uh, so you could, and and they do this quarterly, I believe. And on on take, the you guys take over. <laughs> on the federal level, um, the FEC has uh, reporting mechanisms as well, and so everything, every contribution, every expenditure has to be reported by a campaign. And so on every single level, it may be hard to find because the federal level is different than the state level, and then the central county records will be a little bit different. So you may have to do some research on it because um, it's hard to find it all in one place because they're governed by different bodies. Okay. Um, before we go ahead and start you know, writing our, our letters, our postcards to our chosen representatives, um, I want to give you all the chance to just give one, one bit of advice uh, to to our audience about what you just advice for how to to reach their reps or or what they should do in this political climate any advice you'd like to give I would definitely say get to know your local representatives first whether it's your Sedgwick County or whether it's your city government but get to know who represents you. Um, they're just normal people. Call and have a sit-down conversation um, and really find out uh, if your beliefs are, are directly aligned with their beliefs. But find out what's going on from your local officials and then move to your state officials. Again, I can't stress enough that if we're not paying attention, sometimes things happen that you might not want to happen. And that has happened just many, many times. Uh, I could go back to the swimming pool where we were going to close all the pools, but about three or four in the city. Or I could go back to so many incidents. But if you don't sit down and talk with your representatives, uh, you have no idea of what's going on. So that would be the thing that I would say, is know who represents you. Uh, the two pieces of advice I would give first is don't give up and show up. Um, I got involved in the political process when I was 15 um, and now got elected as the youngest chairman of the local party. 14, 15, somewhere around there. Um, and so don't like show up every single time and that's 99% of being involved in the political process is showing up, learning, getting involved and getting to know people. The second piece of advice I'll give is become close friends with somebody that has completely different beliefs than you. I think that is the, that is the thing that we need most in this society is to work together and to see people as humans again. And so find somebody, if you don't have any friends that disagree with you, find somebody that disagrees with you. And I think that's how we change our culture and change our community. Um, I would just say uh, get out and uh, meet people, go to, the, go to the local meetings at least, uh, county, uh, County Commission meets at uh, 9 a.m. on Wednesdays, and the city meets at, two, at 9 a.m. on Tuesdays. And it's usually the first three Tuesdays of the month for both of them, at least. So get out, uh, connect with others, uh, meet face-to-face. -face. Get off of uh, the Internet at home on your computer and 
it out and, and talk to people. Make, make those connections that you can join in with people to do things. If I could also add in one other thing. If you know somebody that's not registered to vote, get them registered and help them to understand how important it is. Without their registration and without them voting, there's, no, there, there's another voice that's not being heard. So if you know somebody that's not registered, help get them registered and help them to understand the importance of it. I don't think there's much left to say, but the one piece I will add is we're all impacted by politics. And we can say, you know what, I don't like politics, I don't pay attention to that. But the fact is, whether it's the process that's used to tag your vehicle or your social security and any number of things, policymakers are making those decisions. So find that person in your social sphere that says, I'm not into politics, you're all here, so I know you have some level of interest in the process. But find that person who says, I'm not gonna get involved and bring them into this too because all of us are impacted by decisions that we uh, that men and women we elect make and so the more people we bring into the fold to be paying attention and holding our elected officials accountable. Um, and if you're in one of those districts, represented by someone who says, eh, I don't really do meetings or I don't want to get out and meet people, start finding someone else to run. Because I think the most fundamental thing that an elected official should do is communicate with the men and women that they represent, regardless of what they believe on the issues. And, and I do have that third thing. There are so many committees and boards that if you have an opportunity, involve yourself in a committee or a board and get in touch with your representatives to see what's there. Because again, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. <laughs> Let's have even more of a round of applause for our panel. <laughs> that was a great conversation. Um, our panel has agreed to come into the audience here and help you all as you write your letters. We're going to uh, pass out postcards now um, and you all can uh, can write a letter to whomever you wish about whatever you wish. We're going to put up the district maps here on the screen um, and I do want to make sure you all know to come to next month's Democracy on Tap. Um, it will be April 16th and we'll wrap up the legislative session series then. Um, and in the meantime, check out engageict.org for past videos and podcasts. Um, and also we have our five umbrella winners. They are Haley Cotter, Ron Rosales, Monique Pope, Eunice Mallet. I am so sorry. Malat, I don't know. I'm sorry to all of you. And Nathan Esau. I apologize, but um, thank you all. Um, let's go ahead and do our, our little writing campaign. And uh, I also want to make sure you all are aware that KMBW has an app. It's brand new, it's very sparkly. And uh, I would appreciate if you would send me a message uh, about something you're concerned about this legislative session. Uh, we may just play it at the next Engage ICT. Uh, get our app on the little uh, home menu. You can click leave a message and uh, would love to hear from you. Thank you and let's get, uh, let's get our letters started. Thank you again.
Thanks for joining us for Engage ICT Democracy on Tap. Find more podcasts and videos at engageict.org. This show was hosted at Roxy's downtown in Wichita, Kansas. The engineers are Torin Anderson and Mark Statzer. Beth Golay is the producer, and I'm the host. For KMUW, I'm Sarah Jane Crespo.